Hello and welcome to Teacher Needs Drink Podcast. I'm Elvis, your host, and I'm here to let you know this is a not safe for work podcast. We are teachers at the end of the week and the end of our ropes, and really, we're just doing what we can to survive. So we're going to be using pseudonyms so we can talk honestly and openly about what we do without, you know, having to worry about losing our jobs. Before I get started with today's episode, I'd like to give a thank you to all of the patrons out there. Here we go. Big thank you to Steph, Science Teach 17, Michael M, Kim C, William P, Sarah O. Aldrich T, La Scorpionita, Britt M, Tisha C, Teresa H, Biker Teach, Caitlin L, Marsha M, Wiaza, Christina B, Miss Alabama, Kristen B, Megan R, Huvian, Ashley M, Jason F, Amber H, JJO, Jeff S, Abby B, Ann T, Sarah B, Regina F, Anna L, Josie S, Sam B, Lucy P, Mary E, Jamie B, Hope H, Aaron D, Kristen W, Vanessa J, Mary C, Rylan L, Catherine S, RJR, Kristen C, Johanna H, Tony and Christina K, Irma A, Nimi, Melissa M, Lisa S, and Sarah N. Those are all of our patrons who belong to our Patreon, and we love them so much. Yes, for only as little as $5 to $10 a month, you can join our Patreon and get access to all kinds of bonus content, lots of extra episodes, interviews with the host, and you get access to our Facebook group where you can talk to our host. And also, on August 27th, we're having another watch party. We're going to be doing the movie Kindergarten Cop, and so you can watch it with us and listen to it, and also... Coming up soon, we are going to be having our 100th episode, and if you're one of the patrons, we're working on a way where you can stream it and hear it live and also kind of interact with us through comments. So we're working on it. It's going to be awesome. You should do it. I'd like to give a big shout out also to Ludlam Dramatics, our sponsor. If you are a theater teacher or know anyone who teaches theater in your building, go send them to Ludlam Dramatics. There is jack shit for theater teachers in the teacher store. Ludlam Dramatics has all the things you need for your classroom. So go there. They are amazing. Lud Lamb Dramatics. And don't forget Legendary Pretzels. They are, I, I can't say it enough, the best things in the world. They are these hard pretzels that are dipped in chocolate and wrapped in caramel and they coated in candy and cereal. They are just delight. Treat yourself and go to Legendary Pretzels. All right, my friends, this is episode 96, but here's the deal. I am burning out. Uh, it's back to school week. I got two kids who are starting school, so I got their back to school weeks. I contract teach to about six different schools. I'm doing all of their back to school weeks. We recorded an episode yesterday. I honestly don't have the spoons to re- to edit it. So it's going to go on the Patreon, and I thought the best thing to do would be to re-air our mental health episode. So here's our episode on mental health. Enjoy, my friends. This is kind of a very special episode of Teacher Needs Drink Podcast. You might have noticed it's almost twice as long as our normal episode. But really, um, we've noticed that a lot of teachers, including ourselves, are struggling with depression and anxiety and all kinds of issues, imposter syndrome, during this pandemic and virtual learning and everything that goes along with it. So we wanted to have an open and honest discussion about all of it. So I want to give a little bit of a trigger warning. If you are someone who are disturbed by talks of depression, uh, talking, discussing suicide, discussing miscarriages. There's a lot of very, very open conversations, very blunt conversations in here. But not only do we discuss these things, we also discuss how to get help and some best practices. So I think this could be very beneficial. I'm going to start this episode with a quote that Miss Bunny O'Hare got for us, and that quote's going to be again at the end of the podcast. Also, all of the resources, all of the links, all of the notes from this episode will be available on teacherneedsdrinkpodcast.com, so feel free to go to it. Okay, my friends, I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank Thank you and stay safe. So this is from a friend of mine who is a licensed counselor and social worker. And 
the things that she said that she would want to say to tell to people if she could tell three things to teachers and other people in caring professions right now. Um, number one, we are used to being the caretakers. So don't be surprised if being this vulnerable makes you uncomfortable at times. It kind of goes back to what Elvis and I forget now, maybe Rosie at the beginning of the episode was kind of saying like, we're, we're the ones that are used to like swooping in and helping everybody else with their crises, but we are not always very good at taking care of our own crises. And so that's one of the things she said is that that's, that's normal. We are, we're used to taking care of other people. So it's normal to not know how to handle it ourselves. And it's therefore okay to talk to people because the helpers need help too sometimes. Number two was life is not normal right now, but try to incorporate as much normalcy for you and your family that you can. Um, and I think we've kind of touched on that a little bit in previous episodes, like do the little things that make it feel normal-ish. And then the third she, third thing she said was this too shall pass. <laughs> yep. Like a stone. Like a kidney stone. Like Sorry, kidney turd. Stone. We're all oh, here. Passed. We're, we're healthy. Well, <laughs> physically, at least. Let the at fun least. times begin. Mm, as long as there's no more COVID testing going up to my brain, I'm not going to do that again. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend. Well, everyone, welcome to Teacher Needs a Drink podcast. I am Elvis, your host, and we're going to have a different kind of podcast today. We are going to focus solely on mental health because there has definitely been a need for it. So this is literally the mental health podcast. So first, let me introduce my host, who I'm so happy are here with me today. First, Miss Shirley Temper, I am so excited you're here. Do you have a quote for me? I always have a quote for you. Let me hear your quote. As I was saying, I'm a woman and can't be taken for granted. Life's a bitch now, so am I. <laughs> Do you know it? Nice. Do you know yes. it? Catwoman. Yeah. Wow. And also with us today, Miss Rosie Rose. Um, I plan on popping a pill, crying a bit, and falling asleep early. <laughs> <laughs> that actually sounds pretty good. <laughs> and Miss Bunny O'Hare. I don't have a clever quote, but I'm happy to be here. Oh, I'm glad you're happy to be here. <laughs> and joining us on the main feed for the first time, Miss Lucy Elaine. Hello, hello, hello. Well, hey, guys. Whoa, whoa. Sorry, I felt like she needed a fan <laughs> I appreciate everything I can get. We are going to be discussing mental health today. And so I want to start this off with an article from the Salt Lake Tribune. This was written by Miss Courtney and Tanner. And the title is Utah Principals Say Teachers are crying, having panic attacks under the COVID-19 workload. All true. No shit, mm -hmm. dude. There. One principal said she's had to convince several of her teachers not to quit. Another said that every day a few come to her office in tears. A third said one of his educators collapsed from a panic attack while trying to talk to him about having too much on his plate, and he had to call for emergency help. This year, I've had more teachers on the verge of a nervous breakdown than ever before, said Brian McGill. More administrators lined up behind him to talk Tuesday night during the Canyon School district board meeting. Each one took a turn at the podium to share similar stories about the impact that instructing during the COVID-19 pandemic has had on staff, particularly on the mental health. Teachers 
teachers, they explained, are trying to balance both in-person and remote classes this fall, while also trying to accommodate the growing list of students ordered to stay home on quarantine. It's really like three jobs now, one principal added, and it's left many burnt out only one month into school reopening. Principal Tom Sherwood at Brightwood High said he's seen classroom lights still on at his school until 11 p.m., with educators working on online lesson plans and grading papers late into the night. Molly Hart at Albion Middle School says she knows of staff who has been putting in 12 or more hours of overtime every week, and she can see on their faces the toll it's taking. It is overwhelming and infuriating, and I'm very close to quitting. We've been so worried about the mental health and social health of our students. In fact, that's largely what pushed the state to encourage schools to welcome kids back face-to-face. But I feel like right now, we need to reprioritize our teachers. We've got to help them. Guys, this is a severe crisis, and this is not isolated. Right now, everyone is, and rightfully so, concerned about students, concerned about being able to get parents back to work so they feel needed. But the teachers, we ourselves are suffering. Myself, personally, I am having a very, very difficult time with the workload, the difference, the different challenges that are coming, because it's 100% new. And at the whole time, I also feel attacked by parents who don't like the way we're doing things, and I know I'm not alone in this. What are your thoughts about this before we jump into this conversation? Yeah, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm not doing so great right now. Um, I haven't been to the gym a whole lot in, you know, like a week or two, which is typically my thing that I suffer from body dysmorphia, and I typically can kind of keep it keep it under control, um, but it was so stupid. I went to my doctor last week because guess what? I needed to adjust my, I needed to start medication again and for my depression and my anxiety. The nurse practitioner told me that I was overweight and it really became the sole focus of my doctor's visit, which triggered my body dysmorphia, which is, you know, further exacerbated by my depression. I'm struggling with that. I'm struggling with, you know, looking in the mirror. And the stupid thing is, is that I'm probably healthier than I've ever been. Yeah, I weigh more than I have. This is just some bullshit, (laughs) y'all. I feel like I'm doing three jobs at once and not doing any of them well. It adds to that sense of stress and that sense of like, even in normal years, I feel like a lot of teachers have that feeling like we're not doing enough or we're not being enough for our students, even in in normal years. And now to be pulled three directions at the same time for in-person synchronous and asynchronous is stressing the crap out of me. No, it's very real. And I feel that too, because not only do I have the five or 10 jobs that I have been added to an already huge workload as a teacher, I have my home life as well. Am I making my children happy? Are they taken care of? Are my creatures happy? Is my girlfriend pleased? Am I being like, am I taking care of just my general life? And it's hard. I'm like, oh shit, am I, am I balancing this? I don't know. It's just more on the weight. And I think a lot of us are struggling with all of this. Lucille, do you have any feelings about how COVID addition into work is affecting you or your life or even your mental health? I definitely have come down with um, situational depression. Mm-hmm. And I spent 40 minutes in my room and like nonstop tears out of my eyeballs, just just straight 40 minutes. I felt better after crying, minus the 
migraine I had after, but man, and it was all, it, it, I know what it was from and it was straight, like worried about the COVID being in the classroom. You know, if I go to see my family in November, that kind of thing. I'm included in all of this feeling of helplessness at this time. Helplessness is a good word to describe it because I think a lot of the teachers are trying their best to get in there and do it. perspective of seeing not only what this is doing to teachers, but also to students, because I get so many little anxious babies coming into my office. And it's about the third time you realize a stomachache is really anxiety. And so many of them, when I get down to it and I get down to talking to them about it, it's about, I don't want to get sick. You know, so-and-so in my family was sick or so-and-so in my family died. And I don't want that to happen. And I want to be at school, but I'm also really afraid. And so because that's what people do in our profession. I take all of that on myself and think that I can fix everything and fix all of these babies and my staff, and I can't. And so I'm having a hard time with my self-care and knowing where my limit is on taking in everybody else's problems. One thing that definitely I think I do is when I am struggling, I tend to try to help other people more. I'll reach out to friends. I'll be trying to do things. But after a while I realize I'm not taking care of myself or it's a way of me not admitting to myself that I am struggling if that makes any sense where like okay I'm falling apart here I'll take on this project I'll start helping them oh my friend over here needs I'll go do that now yeah but and you don't you don't have to focus on yourself oh, if yeah. you focus on somebody else I can't take care of me but I can totally take care of you so I'm going to put all of my energy into that I think a lot of teachers are doing that but we're also coming to the fact that we're so busy trying to help our family or, you know, our students and try to get them through this time. And all of a sudden we just find ourselves crumbling. And I think there's a lot of people who don't realize that this is kind of why people who might not have experienced depression before people who might've only had it momentarily, or they had a big trigger that made more sense to them. Yeah. Some of the triggers for, for situational depression are like divorce, losing a job, somebody dying and accident are just a huge major life shift. We haven't had a lot of those. I mean, I think people have kind of adapted to there being a pandemic that a lot of people pretend it's not there. I mean, they know they'll wear their mask when they're out, but they forget the toll it's taking when you start looking at numbers like, oh shit, these kids can't come to school or so-and-so just passed away. I think there's a lot of people who all of a sudden are depressed and don't realize it, or they don't know what to do because it's the first time they've ever really had to deal with it. And there's nothing wrong with being depressed. It happens. I have had some form of depression since, or anxiety since I was probably five or six. Um, I've been anxious my entire life. I've been diagnosed as depressed since I was probably 13 or 14. And I was talking to a coworker who was literally spelling out the symptoms of depression and was asking me what I thought it was. And I was flabbergasted that there are people in this world who don't have depressive brains. I guess it's because I've lived with it my entire life. It didn't make sense to me that she didn't understand she was having depressive issues. Oh, man. And so when I was explaining that to her, I was laughing, but I didn't mean to laugh. I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at the absurdity of it in my head that, oh, everybody deals with this. When in reality, 
they don't. Well, I have to admit that um, when I started feeling this situational depression hit me, I did I could not tell the signs for myself. Right. right. Someone, I'm, my friend actually said, uh, "Sweetheart, you're depressed." Rightfully so. I had my mother; she she came down with breast cancer. My grandfather had passed away, and I could go down the list of shit storms that happened month after month after month of this year. Mm-hmm. Along with COVID, I'm telling you, like, I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to see my family in November. I'm, I'm afraid that, you know, I, I would be that person that gets severe COVID. Like, you know, some people get some mild and cause I keep, and this is not this, this is not the way to think, but it's not if I get sick, it's, it's when, when mm-hmm. I get sick. And, yeah. and you know, that is so much stress on me that half the time I can't even take my, I can't even live with myself. Like stop, get those thoughts out of your head. Stop. But I just keep going with it. That's very real. And I um, I came from a childhood of like severe abuse and a lot of things that went on, which caused me to have a general almost guilty feeling growing up where if someone like say in a classroom broke something, even had nothing to me, I would have a severe anxiety attack that I was going to be the one blamed for, even if I had nothing to do with it. As an adult, I was also like, okay, when's the next bad thing going to happen? Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, just life as it happens, people pass away. Sometimes you have shit luck. Sometimes things don't work out. Sometimes assholes screw you over or like relationships fall apart and it sucks. And if you have a string of those, it gives you into almost that mindset that, oh shit, it's this is it's just the way life is. It's gonna yes. happen. Yes. And that's super hard to get out of your head. Like it really, really is. And it causes anxiety and it causes anxiety to a point where I didn't realize that people don't feel anxious all the time, that people don't always have like these issues. Right. Or, isn't it the weirdest feeling that you're like, oh shit, like I'm yeah, getting all really functioning. Yeah. Like? What is that like? <laughs> a lot of people right now who haven't had like issues or fucked up childhood or some kind of abuse or some massive trauma are dealing with this now and the whole just perfectly normal feeling of being overwhelmed with what life is presenting us right now everything from the media to the pol- political syndrome to our work is incredibly overwhelming and so I just want to list off what the symptoms of situational depression are. Situ- Situational depression is a short-term form of depression that occurs as the result of a traumatic event or change in a person's life. Adjustment disorder with depressed mood is another name for this. And then symptoms can include listlessness, feelings of hopelessness and sadness, sleeping difficulties, frequent episodes of crying, unfocused anxiety and worry, loss of concentration, withdrawal from normal activities as well as from family and friends and suicidal thoughts. I've found myself, and I think a lot of you might be able to identify that, feeling a lot of these things, but not really either acknowledging I'm depressed or just not knowing that, oh shit, that's what depression is. It's not the sad bathrobe cartoon from the commercial. I mean, sometimes it is. Situational depression isn't something that means that you are depressed for life, that this Mm -hmm. is how you are going to feel forever. And it's something that sometimes can be treated with easy Mm self-care. Not always, but can sometimes be treated with self-care. For me, and I know Shirley said earlier, one of the things that helps us is exercise. 
and Mm -hmm. doing fitness and getting outside and move around being outside for me. If I can get outside and like put on my grateful dead and my earbuds and walk through the woods for a long time, I will find myself very revitalized. Um, I have found in all of the research. I think what's happening is a lot of teachers, even before the pandemic are suffering from situational depression from Mm -hmm. shitty admin, shitty class. I mean, you have that class that just beats you down. Right. And sometimes you can shake it off a little bit easier. Sometimes you can have drinks and talk with friends and you feel better. Sometimes you can have a good cry and just, or lash out or just yell into the woods and makes you feel better. But that doesn't always happen. But just because those little fixes don't do it, that means there's other steps you can take. Especially Um, because you've just added a pandemic to the mix. Oh yeah. When I take my lush bath bombs, mm. I know. Talk and dirty I, to me. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> and I put them in the water and I, <laughs> I lay in that tub for a good hour to the point where the, the water starts getting cold and uncomfortable. And That's you're going to get me out. Yeah. And, you know, that is my time and I need that time. And I think everybody, everybody should be doing something that they enjoy. Mm-hmm. Take that time out. I don't care if it's just like sit outside and, you know, stare at the grass, listen to your favorite song four times over, mm-hmm. but it just needs to be something that absolutely makes you feel better at the end. I go to the gym. I, when it's done in a pandemic, I typically don't love to get massages, but you know, pandemic, so. Not really doing that. I I like to read books a whole lot. I'm trying to set really strong work boundaries this year with how much I'm working. And this is the first weekend where I I have to just like spend a whole day to work to catch up. And it's a bummer, but I'm going to try not to make it, you know, a habit. I want to be present with my family at home as much as possible. I have definite introvert tendencies as far as what makes my batteries feel recharged. And so one thing that is helpful for me is that I just need some alone time. I I need to be away from people and I need to relax. And if I can have that alone time in the presence of my cat, I don't know, kind of what Lucille was saying about just going and sitting outside if it's the weather's nice. That really helps. Like just looking at green things and growing things and the, the natural state of the earth is regeneration and life and something about that is nice but also just cat purrs or healing and this is your crazy cat lady saying spend time with your cat (laughs) (laughs) but due to my trauma and my past and my background of abuse I have to be in control constantly it's something that never actually happens but I feel like I'm in control and that's all that matters Um, and so my self-care is really about letting go and not having to control anything around me except little tiny things. For example, like I have a jigsaw puzzle app on my iPad. If I really need self-care, I just pull up that app. I'm like, yeah, those pieces fit just like they're supposed to. I can control this shit. This is awesome. Or like Animal Crossing. I built a utopia where nothing bad happens and I get to like do gardening on a fucking app and I don't have to sneeze. Like that is my brand of (laughs) self-care. 
depression is also known as major depression or major depressive disorder. It is severe enough to interfere with daily function. A doctor or psychiatrist can diagnose clinical depression. Clinical depression is more severe than situational depression. The DSM-5 classifies clinical depression as a mood disorder. Disturbances in levels of certain chemicals known as neurotransmitters may be to blame. However, other factors are likely to play a role. For an example, genetic factors may influence an individual's response to experience or major life events can trigger negative emotions such as anger, disappointment, or frustration. Alcohol and drug dependence also have links to depression. Depression can also alter a person's thoughts process and bodily functions. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> no, I was okay. I have had this is way too much information. I have had terrible <laughs> IBS my entire life. Like I have the worst intestines out of anybody I know, and it started from such a young age because of anxiety and what anxiety and stress and depression do to your bowels. Like it freaking oh, yeah. sucks. One of the things I want to say is that there's a big difference between the two of these. Yes. Mm -hmm. The biggest difference um, is that situational depression, and this is going to sound like I'm being super condescending, is situational. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. It typically happens due to some traumatic event. Something has triggered that situation, and it usually, usually, typically, I'm not a doctor, but typically only lasts for up to six months. And then if you are dealing with that situational depression after six months, it starts to slowly fade. Whereas clinical depression is more of a wiring issue in your brain. And that could lead on for a lifetime, unfortunately. One of the things I want to stress is we read some ish, or, uh, symptoms of clinical depression and symptoms of situational. There is an overlap there. And yes. just because you have one does not mean necessarily you have the other. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really important to stress. A lot of people are scared and worried about getting help for situational depression because they're scared or worried that this is how they're going to be forever or that they're going to have to take medicine forever or drugs forever. And that's something I really want to talk about because we've talked about things that can help us feel better or things that we normally do but there comes a point in depression with some people and in some situations hence situation where these things aren't working the old tricks that you have done before to get you out of your rut are not there and this is where we want to talk about how you can get help and things you can do to get help and what that means you cannot catch depression so even if you are feeling yourself having depressive tendencies or having that situational depression. It's not like you can catch clinical depression. And I understand, especially for people who are neurotypical, which I don't really understand you, but those people are feeling really afraid that this is what their life is going to be like now. And I can confidently say it probably isn't, but also welcome. I'll just give my own personal experience with this. I I was divorced about three years ago and became instantly a single dad, raising two kids, supporting a business that was going in interesting directions and doing all kinds of different things to try to keep it going. And during that time, I found that I felt better when I worked out, when I was able to force myself out into social situations, when I was around other people for periods of time, but also when I had time by myself. However, in the last four or five 
five months when things have been really tricky with work pretty much stopping for me and not really becoming unemployed, but definitely not as employed as I was before. And just all the challenges that come with being at home, single dad, two kids, trying to get through virtual while trying to teach virtual. I realized that a lot of these old tricks were not working and it's time for me to go see a doctor again. Okay. So there's lots of different mental health professionals you can see that definitely specialize in everything and what they need as an education to be certified to become those things are have a wide difference in birth. Almost cheesy as it sounds like talk to your doctor, but seriously, there can be different causes of things, especially something that I've experienced is being a uterus owner operator. The worst. Hormone imbalances. It may not even be like actual depression. It may be that your hormones are out of whack. So it it really is a good thing to talk to an actual medical professional Mm -hmm. instead of necessarily just trusting Google because bodies are really complicated and it could be an issue that is easily addressed with taking some kind of medication that has nothing actually to do with mental health. And it's important that whoever you do end up seeing, whether it's your personal physician, whether it's a counselor or a therapist or a psychiatrist, that this is someone you feel comfortable with. Some doctors and counselors and therapists, like they suck. Or yeah, they're just 100%. not good for your situation. There's nothing wrong with shoppers saying, you know what, you are not a good fit for me. You, I don't even like you or I'm scared or I don't feel comfortable sharing things with you. It's okay to shop around. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Like the first doctor that you see or the first counselor that you see or the first whatever that you see, if you don't gel with that person, if you don't feel comfortable telling things to that person and being completely honest with that person, go see somebody else. You're not married to them. It really is important to find someone that you have, that you feel that you can trust and that you can have that good trust relationship with, because if you're not being honest with them, it's not going to help. I remember when I first went to or felt I needed help, I went to a counselor and the counselor was great because I could share my feelings. Uh, There were uh, behaviors and things that I was doing. I felt comfortable with this person discussing, but they're not someone who if I need medication or if I need an extra tool in my toolcase, they can provide. So your main differences in my Reader's Digest version, counselors and therapists both have to have a master's degree typically to get their licenses, but counselors are more, this is not at all me saying they're not useful because I've seen a counselor for three years, but they are much more the, how are you feeling today kind of person. Um, they use a lot of different hands-on, like more questioning type techniques. Whereas a therapist is trained in a specific field. Like you could have a family therapist, you could have a marriage therapist. There are therapists who are trained specifically with dealing with trauma and abuse patients. And so they have kind of a different skill set. And then on the complete opposite spectrum, you have psychiatrists who are medical doctors and they have to have a doctorate because they prescribe medicine. My experience is you can spend a half an hour or an hour with a counselor or a therapist. However, with a psychiatrist, you're probably in and out of there after your first meeting in about 15 or 20 minutes. Oh yeah, definitely. Because and then after that, you see their nurse practitioner more often than you see them. The psychiatrist, when you go see one, isn't going to say, so tell me, well, they'll ask you what's wrong, but they're not going to try to dig down or give you advice. They're just like, Mm -hmm. okay, 
you're feeling stressed, you're not sleeping, or you're eating too much, or you cry. I mean, just do list off your symptoms. And they'll mm-hmm. say, okay, here's what I want to try. And they will suggest usually some kind of drugs and a variety of things. And if they're a good one, they'll tell you what these drugs do and what the possible side effects are. Mm-hmm. And you say, that sounds good, or no, I am scared of that. What else? And they'll tell you, but really, a psychiatrist's main tool in their toolbox is to prescribe medicine. A counselor. Yeah main tool is their ears and their advice and listening. Mm -hmm. And so depending on what you need, and a lot of people need both. I want to make something very, very clear to anybody listening. Just because you're prescribed medicine or you're seeing a counselor, that does not mean you are crazy. That does not Mm -hmm. mean you are a lesser person. Uh -uh. That does not mean you are broken. I mean, it means that you need help. And there is nothing wrong with needing help. We tell our students all the time it is okay to ask for help. And as teachers and really just as human beings and American adults, we've kind of been trained that if you're asking for help, well, you're just not self-sufficient and you can't do it. Yeah, I am so glad you brought that up because I feel like mental health needs to be normalized more. It's okay. Like for men, I feel like it needs to be more accepted. We could avoid all of this if we can just be like, hey, it's fine. It's cool. We all go through it sometimes, sometimes a little longer than others, but you're fine and we have a support system for you. Something that might not even be a huge problem if you hold it in and internalize it, it makes it worse. And it can have, as you ladies were talking about, physical implications because it starts to fuck with your body because you're internalizing all this either paralyzing sadness or anxiety. Patriarchy and misogyny are huge aspects as to why men do not get the help they need and they have higher suicide rates because misogyny and the patriarchy tells men that mental health is a weakness and if you have something wrong with you, you need to just suck it up and rub some dirt in it and like Mm -hmm. mental health is something women talk about and Women are the ones who are hysterical. First of all, fuck you. And secondly, yep. men are also and hysterical. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah. it's not even just then, because if we look at, I'm just going to throw it at the boomers right now, because why not? Mm-hmm. Um, if you like, say older television or something like that, I was watching Cheers, and mm-hmm. in the show, one of the characters has a nervous breakdown and goes see a doctor, and then for the rest of the time, they talk about her being in the loony bin and she's just crazy, right. and then right. someone she knows from there goes on a date with someone. I was like, oh my gosh, are you gonna tell them that they're crazy too? And that was something that was kind of mainstreamed in the previous generation, and I believe it's more acceptable now. I believe with the '90s kids and all of this. Kind kind of being the Ritalin generation that just that was kind of one step into normalizing it but we're not there yet when you hear the older generation saying things like that it makes you not willing to share We can break some of the systematic bullshit that's going on that's being brought on by older generations that are pretty much dying out at the moment. And one of the ways we can do that is being open with our feelings and discussing and just acknowledging that medication is a tool that can be used in your toolbox and can be wonderful if used properly. And just because you use it doesn't mean it needs to be there forever. like life changing conversations as far as you know tacking on to what you were saying what we've all kind of been saying about ending the stigma around mental health was at one point when I 
was really struggling and in not a great place, um, a friend's, a friend of a friend, like the spouse of someone I went to college with reached out to me on Facebook and was like, Hey, hey, it seems like you're struggling right now. Here's my experience. Here's what I've been through. And she just kind of told me her whole story as far as what she had experienced and kind of what her symptoms were and what what prompted her to finally admit, you know, this isn't getting better on its own. I need help. And the fact that she was so open and so upfront with someone that she actually didn't know that well, it really gave me the comfort and the, the freedom like, oh, this isn't bad. I'm not abnormal. I'm not weird, whatever. Like just the fact that she reached out to me and said, Hey, I've been through this too. It's not just you. Here are some things that might help. It was so freeing to have somebody else come to me and say, Hey, I can see you struggling to keep your head above water. Here's a choice of floaties. I don't mean to get off on a tangent, um, but, you know, with, with Chrissy Teigen's um, horrifying miscarriage oh, yes. and bringing that up into the front, um, my first pregnancy ended in miscarriage, and it was very traumatic, as, as you can imagine. And I was, you know, this was, you know, over 10 years ago. Now it's been a decade. But, you know, we, my, my husband and I, we had no idea how common it was because nobody talks about it. Mm-hmm. So I was dealing with this post, you know, obviously situational depression that was very severe and scary, but people came out of the woodwork privately and said, you know, I had one, let me tell you about it. And it did give me a much bigger sense of community. And I remembered that and, and, you know, we've had a couple of people in our lives since then who've suffered miscarriages. And the first thing I do is I send them a message. I was like, Hey, you're not alone. I had it. I'm here. I'm not going to give you any advice. I'm here to listen. Here's what helped me if you care. But, you know, just if you, if you see someone, especially our teacher friends that's struggling and it's something that you can identify with, even just reaching out and saying, Hey, I see you. What do you need? That's like the best thing you can do. I have to agree with Shirley. I think just listening just listening is probably one of the best things you can do. Everybody needs to be heard. And once they feel heard, that's just a little bit better. I think you're a hundred percent because being heard and then being heard without judgment makes right. you feel validated that, okay, I'm not crazy. This is normal to feel this way because this happened. And that surrounds a lot of things. It could either be a divorce, loss of job. It could be someone being sexually assaulted. It could be someone being in a fight, all kinds of things where they don't feel like anyone's listening or they don't feel like anyone's going to understand what happened or whatever nuances and that they're just going to think they're crazy or wrong. Validation. Validating someone's Mm -hmm. experience. And in feeling validated, you're like, okay, not maybe not getting better, at least one step to moving forward past whatever you're dealing with. 
this is a shout out to my friend who I know listens to this. <laughs> One of my very, very dear friends, Miss Campo, she's a music teacher and she was probably the first person in my life. She's actually um, no longer a teacher because she's staying at home with her baby. So she's good. I kind of word vomited to her about like all of my, you know, past and you know when you're starting to get to know someone and you feel comfortable enough to be like here's everything that's wrong with me go <laughs> and so I did that with her and I remember thinking that I needed to apologize and say you know I'm so sorry I did that to you and her first response was your feelings are absolutely valued I hear you I mean I lost it like ugly crying like I can't believe this person <laughs> I barely know just said that and I think that is so important that even if you don't understand how that person is feeling you tell them, I hear what you're saying and your feelings are valid. It's really that simple. It's not hard. We love you guys and we only want things that are good and positive and helpful for you in your life. So if you ever hit the point where you start feeling like maybe this would be, maybe the people around you would be better off if you weren't around. Maybe, maybe the world would be better off. That is, that is your brain being mean and ugly and lying to you. And that is a big red flag that it is time to get some outside intervention, outside help. And one of the most awesome resources for that is a thing called the suicide text line. It's just what it sounds like. You can text people. So if you're in a situation where you can can't talk either because of the environment that you're in or just because you can't make the words come out. But you can text either hello or help to 741-741 and a crisis counselor will answer like basically immediately. Um, If you are somebody who is cool with talking on the phone to people, if that is better for you, the number for that is 1-800-273. T-A-L-K. And same thing, they have crisis counselors 24-7. For me, that was the point at which I kind of realized, oh shit, this is this is what I always like. This is what I'm talking to my students about, and now I'm thinking it. Like as far as looking for signs of suicide and stuff. And when I started having those thoughts myself, like that was the red flag that I needed to talk to somebody. So if you are in that situation, if you are feeling like that's you, text hello or help to 741-741. Or if you want to talk on the phone, it's 1-800-273-TALK. In my district, we have a behavioral threat assessment team, and as the school nurse, I am on said team. And so I had to take a mental health first aid training, which helps um, identify suicidal behaviors and how to deal with students and staff who are going through that. And so they have this amazing acronym that's ALGE. A-L-G-E-E. And so we're going to go through that kind of quickly. Um, The A stands for assess. So the first thing you need to do, whether it's for a student or even yourself um, or someone around you who's having a hard time, is you're going to assess their risk for suicide or harm. 
Probably the best way to do that is to ask them pretty, pretty point blank. Like, are you thinking about killing yourself? But yeah, important note: just because you ask someone if they're going to kill themselves or if they have a plan doesn't mean you're putting that idea into their head. But at the same time, if you talk to someone and they say, yes, I have a plan, I have the steps, that is when you need to get help immediately. Just because they have a plan doesn't mean that they're necessarily in danger or just because they don't have a plan doesn't mean they haven't thought it out. Um, and LG, the L stands for listen. And that is to listen not non-judgmentally. So if a person does not appear to be in a crisis, like encourage them to talk about what they're thinking and how they're feeling. And this may mean entirely, maybe you may not even feel fully what they, um, are, they are going through and you do not understand, but that's okay. But um, staying patient and respectful can make the world of difference. But if you are listening and you discover that they may actually, in fact, be in crisis, return to the assess step number one. Number three in LG is the give. That's to give reassurance and information. And reassurance is crucial as people have suicidal ideation. If they're thinking about killing themselves, they don't have much hope. You need to be able to clearly state to them that suicidal thoughts are, are often associated with a treatable mental illness. And if you feel comfortable, you can even offer to help get them treatment or give them the resources. You can also reassure them that a lot of people have suicidal thoughts are common. And just because you have those thoughts doesn't mean you have to act on them. Yes. So in algae, there are two E's and they both stand for encourage, but it's two branches of encouraging. Um, one of them is encourage them to get professional help. Um, from the resources that we were saying earlier, medical, um, counseling, therapy, social work, possible social worker, possibly like if you're in a school setting, um, they can refer people and help you find resources, but encourage them to get outside help, professional help. Um, and the other E is encourage self-care and self-advocacy, encourage them to do the things that are going to help them stay going until they can get to a better place. And so we've talked to you ad nauseum about all of this mental health and who you can see, but we haven't told you where to go. Um, and if you are like the rest of us, you probably have teacher insurance, which is insurance, but barely. And a lot of things are not covered. Um, so I would suggest you kind of look into your plan and see what is covered. And if you see that there is not a lot of mental health options, um, I know, especially for therapy and for counselors, especially during the pandemic, there are a ton of apps you can download and there are a ton of things that you can do virtually like better health is an option. It's kind of expensive, but it is an option. Um, and I know for me personally, when I didn't have insurance, I looked into a company because I needed birth control and an antidepressant and it was called lemonade health, but aid is spelled a I D instead of a D E. And uh -huh. it's, it's pretty much my favorite thing. I have insurance and I'm still using the app because their people are just amazing. And for $95 a month, you can talk to a mental health person and that covers the cost of whatever medication they put you on. Oh, wow. and they, yeah. And they send it directly from their pharmacies. 
to your house within approximately one to two days. And they also have like an app. So when you sign into the app, they check up on you frequently. So like within your first week of a new medicine, you'll have a pharmacist call you. You'll have the doctor call you back just to make sure you're doing well. Like this is legit medicine of the future. And this is hashtag not sponsored, by the way, by Lemonade Health. I'm just a massive fan and I use them a lot. All right, folks, I'm going to kind of wrap this up, but pretty much right now, the main takeaway, if you take away anything out of listening to this, is you are not alone in being beat down by what's going on right now. You are not alone in feeling upset or sad or melting down at your desk or just struggling to balance your home life, your work life, any kind of life. Everyone's out there and a lot of people are going through it and everyone's just showing it in different ways and displaying in different ways. And so if you feel like like your normal little things that make you feel better aren't helping, consider taking a step and getting help and getting a research and talking to a counselor. That does not make you crazy. And the best part of all this is you don't have to tell people if you don't want to. If you don't feel comfortable telling people you see a counselor or a therapist, Mm -hmm. you don't have to. It's not required. You can use your insurance and they don't tell people. There's HIPAA laws against that. It is perfectly acceptable and okay, but I'd like to make a step, not telling people or telling people they need to help themselves, but just say it's okay and it's comfortable. I think everyone in this group has gotten some kind of help at some point because they've needed it. And I believe almost all teachers out there need that. I think there's a lot of people right now who might need it for the first time or for the first time, it might be to a point where they feel they can't do it on their own. So this is from a friend of mine who is a licensed counselor and social worker. And the things that she said that she would want to say to tell to people, if she could tell three things to teachers and other people in caring professions right now. Um, Number one, we are used to being the caretakers. So don't be surprised if being this vulnerable makes you uncomfortable at times. It kind of goes back to what Elvis and I forget now, maybe Rosie at the beginning of the episode was kind of saying like, we're, we're the ones that are used to like swooping in and helping everybody else with their crises, but we are not always very good at taking care of our own crises. And so that's one of the things she said is that that's, that's normal. We are, we're used to taking care of other people. So it's normal to not know how to handle it ourselves. And it's therefore okay to talk to people because the helpers need help too sometimes. Number two was life is not normal right now, but try to incorporate as much normalcy for you and your family that you can. Um, And I think we've kind of touched on that a little bit in previous episodes, like do the little things that make it feel normal-ish. And then the third third thing she said was this too shall pass. (laughs) Yep. Like a stone. Like a kidney stone. Sorry, bird. Oh, God. Yeah, I want to talk more about that, but I don't want to start pimping, side pimping the, low-key pimping the Patreon. There's a great story in there about Turd and his kidney stone at school, and yeah, it's great. folks i want to thank you again for listening please please if you need help get help please take time for yourself for your 
your family. And I think Shirley put it very, very adequately where you need to set limits with work. Do your eight, hit the gate, and just leave work at work as best you can. I know that's hard and it might be impossible, but just do the best you can and take care of yourselves. I'm going to put a lot of this information on our website as well as all the links and resources. So if you want some of these phone numbers or some of these tips, we will have it available there. But my friends, thank you so much for participating in this day, Shirley. I'm so happy you were here and so happy you shared. Yeah. And Miss Rosie <laughs> Rose, I'm glad you were here. You had so much information and you were such a great help in putting this together. Thank you so much. I'm glad we finally got to talk about it. Yeah. And Ms. Bunny O'Hare, you were wonderful. I love your anecdotes. And just thank you so much for being you. Well, thank you for having me back again and again. <laughs> and Miss Lucille Lane, I think I've really connected with you off the podcast when we discussed mental health and education. I think that's one of the reasons I was like, oh, I think this woman would do a great job on here. And I think your passion is very evident. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. So my friends, please, whatever you need to do, please take care of yourself. Deep breaths and deep drinks. Cheers. Cheers. All right, my friends, thanks for listening to this very special episode of Teacher Needs a Drink podcast. If you want to see any of the resources or links or just go to see some of the notes from our podcast, go to teacherneedsdrinkpodcast.com and we have everything there. I'd like to thank my host today for being vulnerable and sharing, uh, Ms. Rosie Rose, Ms. Lucille Lane, Ms. Shirley Temper, and Ms. Bunny O'Hare, and of course, Ms. Priscilla, who sat next to me while I edited all of this. Thank you guys so much. You guys mean so much to me. Um, everyone out there, please take care of yourselves really that's about it if you have any questions reach out we're there too stay safe my friends am i fucking up here did i say something wrong no no no. it was no, the me too music sorry sorry the gummy's starting to kick in now so i'm getting a little spacey in my head i was like because we're all stardust man we're all the same thing <laughs> oh, God. i was like okay don't say that dial it back dial it back, <laughs> dial it back. oh